Um, I want to give you a couple of things before we, we jump in here. I just want to thank everybody for taking care of things while I was out of town with my dad. Had a good visit with him for his 85th birthday and uh, got to stay there with him for two Sundays actually through uh, Veterans Day weekend and be part of a, a Veterans Day celebration there in their church. And uh, then uh, Connie and I were both there, my sister, and we got to spend some time uh, repairing some things around the house there in Arizona that he is not able to get done. Uh, they live in a retirement community, and he's uh, right now his right arm is almost completely uh, useless. He's got something going on in his shoulder, so he just can't, can't do anything. He's got a problem with his back that they can't get figured out. He can't hardly stand for very long, and uh, so it was, it was good timing for us to go there. They've hired a gentleman in the park where they live, but it's a retirement park, and he's got his own health problems, and so he hadn't been able to come and help them do what they need to do. So uh, it was a fortuitous time for us to be there, and then there were some medical issues that he was having as well, and we were able to get him set up with some, some doctors and get some things squared away where he can have some appointments when he comes back. So um, it was certainly enjoyable to be there in the beautiful Arizona desert and uh, enjoy that heat, but uh, there was also some uh, things to do there. While I was there also, I was still working back here at home. Uh, Alaska Baptist Convention, one of the committees I'm on there, had meetings on couple of those days, so thanks to the miracle of modern technology, I could Skype in and be part of those, so that was uh, really exciting. Uh, committee meetings, you know how that goes. But it was for good stuff, so it's okay. It was all right, I didn't mind, and I like the people, so that helps. Um, but again, thanks, uh, thanks to Don Ashley. In fact, he's on an airplane like right now, right? Did he just get on the airplane going to Texas to see Ella and some family? Uh, but uh, he uh, preached for us one Sunday, and that is now on the audio podcast. That's been posted if you missed it. Uh, and then, of course, Pastor Jason, last Sunday, that is also posted to the audio podcast. We'll get the video podcast updated uh, this week and uh, take advantage of those, all right? Don't forget, uh, we're, we're really pushing social media, Instagram, Facebook, website, all those things. If you're not joined with us, Twitter, all those places, if you're not joined with us and you have those accounts, get there. Share what you're seeing. Pastor Jason already this morning has been sending out lyrics to songs as he does every week, sharing those out uh, with people in social media. You can just grab those and share them with your friends. There's content already being created for you, so I encourage you to do that. All right, and then um, December 3rd, immediately following uh, the morning service, we'll have our annual budget review uh, meeting and, and show you the proposed budget for next year. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, right at that same time, invite you to bring uh, just some desserts. It'll be a great day. We'll have dessert before lunch. Uh, bring some sweets, uh, pies, cakes, muffins, whatever you want to bring. We'll gather around and, and uh, answer any questions that you have. And then uh, we'll vote that day on approval or not approval. If we need to make some adjustments, we can also do that for 2018. Appreciate the elders and the work that they've been doing to get that Together, they've taken all the data and the numbers and kind of crunched it around, and we've talked about a number of things, and I appreciate their uh, diligent and, diligence and their care about that subject, and I hope that you'll be involved too. So uh, we'll get that also pushed out this week through a newsletter, attach it to the newsletter, put it on the website so you can go and you can review it. We'll have a cover letter that explains a bunch of things, and also uh, you'll get some information from us on the staff about what we've been working on this past year and what we're projecting for the next year. And it's an exciting time. So I hope you'll take advantage of all of that and jump in, okay? All right, now let's get down to where we are today. 
This is the final, the final week in our series, uh, Dying to Know. The idea that there's a world out there that needs to know the good news, the gospel. And uh, we've been through four weeks of that. We kicked that off the first weekend. We kicked that off, I did, on the topic of salvation and the doctrine of salvation. And went through pretty detailed in when we say to someone, or we even ourselves, if we're examining ourselves, what is it that we believe as Christians about salvation? How, do you, how, do you, how are you saved? How are you, one of those phrases that's used in the Bible, how are you born again? Um, what are the elements that, that in, in, in the history of Christianity are the foundational beliefs that actually identify someone as a Christian, which means to be someone who is following after Christ, or another way, sometimes another way that the word Christian is translated is to say little Christ, that we're like him. Um, the Bible describes those who become sons and daughters of God, that, that we are begotten just as Jesus was the only begotten son of God, meaning he was one of a kind. Then what Jesus did when he rescues us, when we become Christians, he begins to transform us into ones who are like him, begotten of God. We become like him from the inside out. And so I'm not going to go through all of those in detail again, but we're going to touch on them again this morning, what those, some of those foundational beliefs are. But if you missed that, or if you're still unsure, I would really encourage you to go back to the podcast. Uh, we had to relaunch the podcast uh, recently, and, and where we've relaunched it was with the beginning of this series. And so you can go back and listen to that message. You can watch that message. I think we have that one on video. And then there are links to the actual uh, handouts and uh, PowerPoint slides and all that stuff with all of the detail in there. And here's the thing. We're going to explore today. There's no way for us to share the gospel if we don't know the gospel. If we don't possess the truth for ourselves, if we don't understand it for ourselves, we can't possibly hope to share it with someone else. And frankly, I think that's one of the things that's happened in the modern church, is we've gotten into this, this sort of paradigm, this sort of practice where us out there just in the world doing our thing, you know, we're working at our jobs, we're hanging out at the coffee shop, we're going uh, to the play dates with our friends, we don't possess enough internal knowledge or assurance about what the good news is that we can't share it with someone else. And so we, we instead have adopted this model where, well, if I bring them, if I bring my lost friends to someone else, usually the pastor who knows how to share the gospel, then they can share the gospel with them. And this is not at all how the church is supposed to work. You see, God doesn't need us to share the gospel, but the world does because this is how God designed it. He designed for us, the church, to be his witnesses. And it's not me, the pastor. It's us, the church, to be his witnesses and to share the gospel. And so what I want to take you through this morning is uh, some of the ideas about why this is important, how God has designed this, and then some thoughts that I want you to take with you about, well, how does this work? What should this be like? And it might be different than the structure that you've been given before when it comes to witnessing classes and things like that. It might be a little bit different, um, but I'm also going to touch on some of that as well. All right, so let's see if this works for me. I've got to find it. Got to go way down here. There we go. Oh, I see it. So that's an encouraging sign. 
Oh my gosh. It's like magic. Okay, good. Sharing gospel. Now, I want to say thanks to, um, you'll see it up there, it's kind of hard to see, but uh, Jason Langford, he's the pastor of True North, True North Church, and then uh, there's a guy named uh, R.K. Moore and Ed Stetzer, all of whom provided material for me uh, to work with, and then all this, the, some of the studying that I was doing. What's interesting to me is, um, without knowing it, several of my pastor friends here in town when I reached out to them and I said, hey, do you, have any, do you have any good material that you're using to teach people about sharing their faith? It was surprising to me how many of them were doing exactly the same thing that we've been doing for the last four weeks, and I didn't know that. And they were like, yeah, here, I'm doing this. Uh, Jason and I were together the other day, and this thing popped up on social media. We saw that True North was having an evangelism training class. Like, cool. Didn't know they were doing that. And that's exciting to me because that tells me that God has been working in our community about the same thing. I always get excited when we plug into something that we think God is leading us to do, and then we see that God is leading other people to do that same thing. That means to me that God is trying to do something larger than us, right? So uh, a lot of stuff here from uh, the ideas that uh, Jason shared with me from True North, and so uh, I appreciate him uh, being willing to share that with us. So... Here's the first thought. You can see it there on the screen. Each of us is created to display the glory of God, to bring him pleasure and to advance the story of the gospel with the gifts, talents, and opportunities he gave us. See, for the Christian, there's, there's an, this is the answer to why am I here. Why am I here is to reflect the greatness of God as he has manifested himself in our lives. This is our purpose in the world. Um, and how does that relate to sharing the gospel? Well, you know, let me see a hand. Do any of you have family members who don't know Jesus? Yeah? Anybody have coworkers? Right? Friends at the coffee shop? Like, look, look, we all know people, right, that don't know Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that as we become followers of Christ, that we're supposed to be witnesses of his work in us in the world. And that witness is supposed to be, it's intended to be for those around us who don't know Jesus Christ. Um, what, are, you know, what are some of the things that keep us from doing that? Let me ask you that. What are some of the things that keep you from sharing your faith openly with other people? Just throw some stuff at it. Okay, judgment from other people, right? They're going to look down at you. They're going to think you're stupid, right? You're believing in a fairy tale. Um, Right, it's different from what they believe, right? Okay, or that you're judging them with your belief, right? That's, okay, what else? What if I get it wrong? All right, yeah, what if I mess it up, right? Ooh, yeah, good, I get it. All right, what else? Right, so you might, you might be in a place where you, you've been given specific guidelines where you can't speak openly about certain things in certain ways, right? Okay, right? So this could cause a division between you and a friend because maybe, maybe there'll be an argument about this. Um, kind of the underlying thing of all of those is some kind of fear, right? Um, I think one of the, the other ways that we've, we've messed this idea up, that, that we've limited ourselves from displaying God's glory to the people around us, is <clears throat> that 
most of the evangelism training that we've experienced or maybe that you've been to, you've been to classes, kind of puts it up as like a presentation, like I'm going to make a public presentation of some kind. Uh, we even see it manifested sometimes with people on the street corners, right? Or we think we got to be some kind of Billy Graham, you know, we got to set up some sort of a, uh, a big setting and we're going to proclaim it like that and I'm, man, I'm not a public speaker. Do you know there's only one fear greater than public speaking? Anybody? No, it's actually snakes, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, but listen to this. Listen to this. Snakes, public speaking, death. I think about this every time I do a funeral service. Right? Yeah, spiders. I, spiders totally qualifies as death for me. Um, it's in the top five glitter styrofoam. Um, people eating with their mouth open. Mm, okay, I gotta, gotta stop that. I'm getting anxious just thinking about it right now. I think about this every time I do a, a funeral service that um, the vast majority of the people sitting in the audience or in the congregation would rather be in the casket than making the presentation at the front of the, of the thing, right? That's how, that's how deep that fear of public speaking is in people. And I think it's rooted in exactly these things that you've brought up and, and many more. You know, what if I mess it up? Uh, what if they feel like I'm judging them or what if they're judging me? Um, all, all those kinds of things. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to change that thinking from it being a presentation to it being a conversation. Because this verse out of Ephesians right here tells us that, that what are, we are his workmanship. Man, think about that. Whose workmanship? God's workmanship. You are crafted by God. Created in Christ Jesus that new creation that we've talked about, that born again, for good works for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we should be moving as believers, we should be moving through this life in this world as new creations created in the person of Jesus Christ, moving through this world, just touching it with good works all over the place. And through those good works, we, we should naturally then have the opportunity to share our faith in Christ. How did we become a new creation? Why did we become a new creation? Did I need to become a new creation? How did God provide the opportunity and means for me to become a new creation? So, if you want to be able to share Jesus confidently and consistently with others, you have to first Share him confidently and consistently with yourself. Now, what does that mean? Um, here's some hard stuff. If you are thinking that you want sharing Jesus with other people to be a priority in your life, but spending time with Jesus, reading the word, fellowshipping with other believers just contemplating his place in your life and your place in his kingdom, if you're not spending any energy on that, how can we possibly expect to be confident to share it with others? Because it's not becoming real to us. It's not becoming something that's present with us. Look, you know how this is, whether it's in a friendship, um, a job, a, a skill, a talent, like playing the guitar, right? We play the guitar here. If you, 
if you lay that guitar down for a year and then come back to it, can you expect to play it just like you did the day you, you, you set it down? Probably not. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're in a relationship with someone, or even a friendship, and if you don't spend time cultivating that, spending time doing things common together, things that you enjoy, um, talking with one, or, one another, learning about one another's likes and dislikes and all of those sorts of things, can you really expect that friendship or that relationship to grow and to flourish and become deeper? Well, the same is true with our relationship with Christ. And so, you'll, look, you can identify this in your own life. I'm not going to ask you to point it out, but you can identify this in your own life. If something's supposed to be important to you, but you're not giving it importance, then when you go to speak about it to someone else or they ask you about it, what kinds of feelings do you have? What kind of impressions do you have? You know, if you're not loving your wife the way that you should be, and then someone asks you about your love for your wife, guess what they're going to get? They're going to get inauthentic answers. You might try to, you might tr try to bluff your way through it, but it's not the truth. And so if we want to share Jesus with others in a way that's confident, we have to spend time with him. So um, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of evangelism methodologies that, that point us to these questions like, uh, if, you were, if you were to die today uh, and stand in, at heaven, do you, or do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And that's an important question, but is it the only question? See, we want to we be able to tell people that the gospel matters for now. The gospel makes a difference today. And if we're not seeing it make a difference in our lives today, how can we possibly tell anyone else that it's making a difference? Why would they care? It can be hard to get people to focus on the eternal significance of the decision that they make when they're completely absorbed with, and often rightly so, the moment that they're living in right now, and they need God's relief for now, not for someday in the, in the blue yonder. Right? All right, so... Um, We'll go to the next one. So sharing the gospel, getting to this opportunity where this happens. I want you to think about the difference between it being a presentation as opposed to being a conversation. And the difference with that is, and, and I'm not saying presentation is bad because there are opportunities where um, we might share the gospel with someone that we've never encountered before, Right? I, maybe you've had that experience. I've had that experience where I just, I encounter someone. Uh, it's happened in the store. It's happened out on the road. It's happened at camp. I'll meet somebody for the first time at youth camp or something like that. We don't have any relationship. But God opens the opportunity for me to share the gospel. And it does take kind of the form of a presentation, something that I've practiced and that I'm familiar with. But I think that's the rare occasion, except for those maybe who are called to be evangelists like Billy Graham. That's a presentation-style evangelism, right? For most of us, it should be instead a conversational-type approach. Um, it is, it's built around relationship. It's built around familiarity, that I have somehow uh, spent enough time with you to have a place where I can speak to you out of kindness and love about the story of the gospel and how it applies to you and how it applies to me. 
And that's the important thing, is it's not always so much about how it applies to you, it's about you and me. Because your story of coming to Christ is part of the good news. God says that he can offer this good news, but we're really the reason, the reason the world needs us to share it is because you're the evidence. You're the proof that it really does change people. That it really does help dealing with the struggles and the trials and the, and the tears of life. It, it lightens those burdens in a way that, that has no human explanation for it. You're the proof of that. So, um, sharing the gospel via conversation does a few things. It demonstrates to people that you care about them because they're not just a project. But it's a back and forth. It's an exchange. Um, presentation often can feel like a sales job, right? Like you're getting sold something. Whereas conversation is more of an authentic exchange, so people can have a sense that you really believe what you're saying. And I think that, as well, in conversational type evangelism, people can tell if God's really moving in your life. Because when you get down to that, you know, you care about them, they can see that what you're saying is authentic. Then when you share about, well, this was happening in my life, and now look what's happening. I think it was with Frank at coffee one day. We were talking about a friend of his... And, uh, and we were talking about this, this very thing about the difficulty of sharing the gospel, finding out when, how, when do I share it? How do I know? I think that was really the question that Frank was asking, and Jason had such a great response. He said, sometimes, you know, it's just living life with your friend, and then something happens in your life, and they go, man, this is how I dealt with that, or this is what happened to me, or this is how this went. And then you reply to them and go, you know, I had something similar happen to me. And this is how Jesus helped me. That's sharing the gospel because it's your story about how the good news has changed your life. And so it becomes very conversational rather than uh, just uh, talking at someone, talking with someone. And so that's kind of the, the thing. I want you to see these contrasts here. I hope you can read those. I'll read them out for you a little bit, little bit small. When we think about the difference between a presentation and a conversation, a presentation tends to start with the Christian worldview. We're going to tell them what we think the worldview is from a, from a Christian standpoint. And that's okay, except we may be saying things and, and taking things as truth that they don't believe. I mean, we can start with the basic of, we can say, well, the Bible says, and then what may they be thinking? I don't believe the Bible. So if we just start strictly with that Christian worldview, we might be missing an incredibly important part of the conversation that, that they're never going to hear the rest of what we have to say because we haven't established what conversation we're having at that moment. So a presentation style starts with a Christian worldview. Uh, evangelistic conversation starts in their worldview. Where are you? What do you think? What do you believe? What do you know? And then we can begin to bring the ideas of Christianity and the gospel to what they know and sometimes reinforce what they know because maybe they've discovered some things that are true or challenge some things that they believe are true that the Bible tells us are not and begin to build that conversation back and forth, right? Um, so uh, second, and here's a part of it, uh, an evangelistic presentation assumes that the person you're talking to has some sort of knowledge of the gospel. 
but you're going to use words and say things that they understand what you're talking about. And if, if that's the case, if that's the, if that's the route that we always take when we're, when we're sharing the gospel, is always a presentation style, guaranteed there are going to be times where we might as well just be speaking a completely foreign language that, that the other person can't understand because they don't grasp anything that we're saying. So in conversation, we assume that they don't know anything about the gospel. So we have to start from the beginning, from, the, from scratch. And that means it may take a long time. It's an investment of time, not just a moment. All right, so the evangelistic presentation, uh, this isn't a bad thing unless it doesn't accomplish what we want it to do. Focuses on the lost person as a sinner. That's, that's, the, that's the focus. Um, you have sin, and that has to be fixed, which is true. The Bible teaches us that. But that's not always the most effective way to get someone to understand what you're trying to tell them or to draw them into your conversation. Um, evangelistic conversation focuses on what we call the imago dei, which means the image of God in that person. This is something the church doesn't do a very good job of. Um, every single person out there on the face of the planet bears the image of God. Only creation on earth that the Bible describes created in his image. And sometimes we, even as Christians, don't treat people like that's true. We treat them as much less than that because of things they do, things they say, places they've been. We've got to be careful of that because if we approach those that we want to share the gospel with and their first reaction is, you don't value me as a human, we probably have lost our opportunity to share the gospel. So we want to rethink how we view them. Um, this, is a, this is the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about things like he says, you know, you've heard it said that uh, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at uh, another person uh, with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And what he's saying is, sure, we have these natural impulses, we have these natural thoughts, we see an attractive person and we're like, ooh, they're attractive. He says, but don't let yourself veer off into territory where you see them not as the person God made them to be, but you just see them as an object, something to possess, something to control. And if we're not careful, if we approach people uh, as objects when we're trying to share the gospel, all we're really saying is, I want to control you. And we don't see them as the person that they are. All right, so uh, evangelistic presentation is most effective with people who already have a church background, right? Because they know the conversation. They've, they've got some history. If you can get into an evangelistic conversation where you're talking about the story and your story, it's, it's effective with anyone because you're just having a conversation. Uh, the evangelistic presentation focuses on immediate decision. And that's not, again, necessarily a bad thing. I'm going to share some scripture with you in a minute that talks about that. But sometimes we do that to the exclusion of, okay, I, you got to make a decision, and if the decision the person makes is no, then we're like, well, okay, I'm moving on. Whereas a conversation, and because we care about the image of God in that person, we care about them as a human being, we're going to challenge them to come to a decision, but, the, but if the decision is no, in a conversational evangelism, we're going to say, okay, well, we'll talk about it again sometime. Let's talk about something else. Because it's built on relationship and friendship. All right, so uh, evangelistic conversation hopes for a decision, but has an appreciation for the process of someone coming to Christ. I don't know about for you, but for me it was a process. It was not... 
my salvation, the moment I was saved, was instantaneous. But getting there took some time. God had to, to lead me and bring me. All right? So um, finally, evangelistic presentation can be unnerving, right? Confrontational. Mm. That's kind of what you were talking about, right? You might have a confrontation and then, oh, I've, I've lost something that I had. I had. I've lost a friendship or I've lost access or I've lost conversation. Whereas uh, evangelistic conversation, it can, it can really be comforting to people because you're, you're, not, you're not coming at them with judgment. You might be telling them some hard things, but you're not treating them as, as that object. And you're, you're really, you're getting down on that human level and speaking with them. All right, so. Effective evangelistic conversations connect the unchanging gospel with the specific issues that people face. This was the conversation that we were having with Frank at coffee. Um, if the gospel is really going to be good news, it has to be good news for today. It has to be good news for people where they are in their lives right now. We see this in, again, the words of Jesus where he says things, uh, you know, what good, is it, what good is it if somebody comes to you and says that they're hungry or they're cold and you give them a prayer and a pat on the back but you don't give them any food and you don't give them your cloak to wear? What good is that? That's exactly the idea sometimes of where if, if we just... You know, if we, if we only cast the gospel as get saved so you can go to heaven when you die, you know, people have 40, 50, 60, 70 years of their life left and they're going, wow, so the next bit of this is really going to stink, but someday will be the payoff. And honestly, growing up, I, I got to the place as a, as a young man in ministry where I kind of thought this, where I, I kind of looked around at a lot of the people I knew, and I just kind of felt like that's kind of where they were. They were just waiting around to die to get to the good stuff. And this isn't what Jesus said. He said, listen, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly right now. The Lord's Prayer, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning However God's will is being worked out in the kingdom of heaven right now, let's pray that that will come and work out here on the kingdom in earth today, right now, that his kingdom will become so present on the earth that it's as if we were in heaven with him. Now that's a good news I can buy into. You mean, you mean there's someone I can put my trust in who will come in and, and radically assist me in my life today? I, man, I want that. Um, the gospel itself, I, I think this is, we have trouble with this sometimes because the world is changing so fast. And we think, and, and there, are actually, there are actually people who think this, who think like, the story of Jesus, the story of, of the Bible is, is just old news, right? The world has changed so much that this can't possibly have any bearing now. But that's the power of the gospel is that even though it is unchanging, the story is of Jesus is unchanging, what he did for us is the same, how he did it is the same. It doesn't matter how the world changes or how your life changes or how those circumstances changes. It's 
still is valid, the gospel story. And so, connecting the unchanging gospel with the specific issues that people face, uh, this becomes a little bit of a, of a talent, a little bit of an art, but it is something you can absolutely develop as you're having those conversations with your friends, with your loved ones, with your coworkers. Um, I think of a guy that uh, was a good friend of mine, Alan. Uh, we worked together at Gary King's many, many years ago. And uh, when I first met uh, Alan, he was not a Christian. Uh, Alan's entire life was wrapped up in hunting and fishing. I mean, these, and, I mean this was his life. Uh, he was a, a buyer for Gary King Sporting Goods. Uh, he was a manager of the fishing department. And he knew everything. He owned boats. He had all that stuff. And every weekend, every minute he had free, that's what his life was about. And then there came a crisis in Alan's life while we were working together. And I was able to sit down with him and just share with him how something similar had happened in my family and how our collective faith in Jesus Christ had brought us through that and brought us to a place uh, where we got to the other side and we survived and we were better when we got to the other side and Jesus was with us the whole time and that we knew that that was real and that was tangible in our lives. And uh, Alan made a decision for Christ. And Alan has now spent 20-some uh, years on the Kenai Peninsula as a music and worship pastor. And his family has grown up in the church and friends with his daughter and she was this big, you know, when we were working together. And she's out there. She's doing the Samaritan's Purse thing for her church. She's running the media for her church. And it's transformed their family. But it's only because in that moment, when Alan faced a, a critical moment, I was able to share the gospel. And then Alan uh, made a decision for Christ. And uh, Christ changed his life. So uh, be willing to connect your life and what Christ has done for you, your circumstances, to the people that you're having a conversation with. Have a healthy expectation that people will be open to the gospel. Most people are. I found very few people who just flat out reject hearing what I have to say about Jesus. That's kind of a, that's a perception that we have that people don't want to hear. I've just not found it to be true. If I'm speaking to them authentically and if I'm speaking to them conversationally and if I'm really treating them as someone that I care about, even if it's somebody I've never met, but I'm, I'm given that vibe, right, that I care about you, um, they respond to that positively. Uh, sometimes we think, you know, it's got to be the right location, it's got to be the right timing, um, I got to be in the right mood to be able to share the gospel. But what if we just let it happen naturally? Like um, you're on the riverbank and you just share with somebody next to you. I had a friend of mine that, that is also all about fishing. Uh, Steve, he's got a boat down in Homer. And, and I watch him do this constantly. We'll be at the store. And, you know, what does the clerk say? Uh, hey, how's your day going? And Steve will say, well, God has been really generous to me today. I mean, and then you just find out right there you, in the response, you're going to find out, is there an open door or not an open door? It's that simple to just acknowledge God and everything that we're doing sometimes opens up those conversations. 
And that goes back to, but if he's not real in your life every day, if you're not spending time with him, you're not going to be able to do that. It's not going to be authentic. All right, I'm going to move on here. This is just reinforcing a lot of these things. Talk to the actual person in front of you about the Jesus that's inside you. Let them see and hear the change that Jesus makes in you. You've got to be real about what's happening in here. Uh, sometimes it's just like this. If, we, uh, if we're going to talk about Jesus being loving, then we have to be loving. Has that change really happened in you? If we talk about Jesus being uh, a hospitable person, are you a hospitable person? Are you kind? Has that change really happened in you? Uh, if, if we say that Jesus is going to be generous and giving to you, are we generous? So talk to the person that you're actually looking, you know, talk to them, not at them, um, but let them see and hear the genuine change that Jesus has made in you. And if he's not making genuine change in you, that's it's a different thing. All right, last one here in this section. Develop a lifestyle of sharing Jesus consistently. Developing that lifestyle of sharing Jesus consistently flows out of a plan to share Jesus regularly. If we want to be effective at sharing Christ with others, we've got, we got to plan for it in this way. We have to be intentional. Like, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to share. If I have the moment, I'm going to have the conversation. I'm walking through my life as a believer, expecting God to bring to me opportunities to tell others about the good news. And then when I see it, I'm going to take it. Now, just take it as far as it'll go. And I'll appreciate the process of the other person, wherever they are and whatever's happening with them. All right, so that's kind of the philosophy of sharing the gospel. Let me take you through just a few more things here of some specifics, all right? This is from Ed Stetzer. It's a little acrostic. And did we get that handout out today, the faith handout? Did y'all get that? Yes? Let's find that. It was with the bulletins. And let's get that handed out. You can take that one home. I'm not going to go through that one. I just want you to have it to take home. So we'll make sure we have those. It's a simple a little thing, kind of like this, an acrostic. And I know Jason had one that he gave out last week called Gospel. We also have that one uh, in the office if you'd like that. These are all just different tools. None of them are magic. None of them are the best. All of them have problems, and all of them you kind of have to practice how you present them and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so bear with me. The idea is to take these tools and then figure out your way of sharing the gospel. But here's the info, all right? So, um, so spread. Just a little, spreading the gospel. Just a little idea. Here's the first one. Set towards action. Meaning, if you're going to engage in a gospel conversation, have in your mind that you're, you're asking them to advance towards some sort of action. Now, that action might be to actually make a decision for Christ. Or it might be an action for them to explore something deeper. Um, I've had this happen a, a hundred times. Uh, we'll talk about a particular topic and I'll say, tell you what, here's a passage in the Bible, here's a, here's a story in the Bible that relates to this. I want you to go home and I want you to read this. 
And then let's you and I get back together in a week and let's talk about that. But some sort of action. Um, and it might just be as, as simple as talk, 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 talk. We're talking back and forth. We're talking about Jesus. I'm telling you my story. And the action might just be when we're done, hey, will you think about that for a while? And then let's, let's talk about it again. But try not to just leave it to nothing. Have an action plan of some kind. And it might be that you get to the place that God leads you to the place where you're actually like, hey, uh, you want to make a decision about this? But I think it's always best, even at the beginning of the conversation, to maybe let someone know, or maybe a couple of conversations in, to let them know that you're not just having a, a philosophical discussion. That you're hoping that something's going to happen, that they're going to want to take some kind of action in relationship to this. And so we see this 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, we see this passage, and I've, I've highlighted the part, I encourage you to read the whole thing, and by the way, all of these notes will be on the podcast page, um, we have a link to all of the, the materials that we use each week, so you can go back and get these. But uh, this famous passage, behold, now is the favorable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. But look, this is the time, this is the moment to make some kind of a decision. Now, that decision may not be, I'm going to believe in Jesus. But if we can just move them one more step to, hey, I want to think about this some more, that's good stuff. Right? Um, there's always that tension there, though, of, you know, what if you don't get another opportunity? And that's a true thing. You know, life happens. Death happens. People get, people get snatched from us. And we hope that they come to Christ before that happens. So there's a, there is an imperative to sharing the gospel. All right, second. Yeah. Prepare the person. And what this means is, it doesn't matter if it's the first time we've had a conversation with someone about the gospel, or the 50th time we've had a conversation with a person about the gospel. If we're having a gospel conversation... We should let them know, hey, um, just want you to know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying that you're going to respond to something that God is telling you today, maybe like you never have before, so that they don't feel like you swoop in at the end and you've, you've sucker punched them, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a movement going on right now actually called Gospel Conversations, where uh, instead of Instead of just waiting for the natural ebb and flow of conversation necessarily to take you to a gospel conversation, if you've built a relationship with somebody and they know that you're a believer and, and you've kind of touched on some of these things, people, there are people out there now who are going, they're calling up and they're saying, hey, Maria, uh, let's get together for coffee. And listen, I just want to tell you, I really want to tell you about Jesus today. Will you give me like 10 minutes to just really like lay it out and tell you what Jesus means to me? Let's meet it noon at Kaladi's and, and, and we'll just talk about it. That'll be okay. And if you've built a relationship, I can't imagine any one of my friends just going, I don't want to hear that. Right? Because they know I care about them and they care about me. But I'm being very intentional about setting it up and I'm preparing them. I'm letting them know what kind of conversation I want to have. And so that's an additional tool to the just it shows up in conversation and I take advantage of that. Right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ. 
Remember that thing about God doesn't need us, but the world does? To share the gospel. We are his ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. Oh, really? It's incredible. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled or justified to God. This is, this is, our, this is our mission. This is our job. All right? So then, if you've got this opportunity, you're, you're going you're to talk with this person, you're going you're gonna to set towards an action, you're going to prepare the person, then you're actually going to, in this conversation, re-articulate the gospel. And that may be that, again, it might be the first time or the 50th time. But here's the thing, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed, of, we hear this one, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Great. But here's the more important part. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel, the good news, is the power of God to everyone who will believe that they might be saved. So that's why we can't just share fluffy ideas. We can't just share feel-good feelings. When we have the opportunity and that moment arises, we have to share the gospel. Even if you think you've already shared the gospel before or over time, give a very focused overview of the gospel message itself. And here it is. There is a holy God who desires to be in a friendship with you. This will all be on the website, by the way. There is a holy God who desires to be in friendship with you. And he has revealed himself in the Bible and as the person, Jesus Christ. We can't have this friendship on our own because sin has caused a separation between us and God. So God humbled himself and took the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and ultimately paid the price for our sin on the cross so that we wouldn't have to, because every wrong thing or sin requires a punishment. He took that punishment for us. When he was resurrected, he proved to the ultimate degree that he was more than a man, but actually has the power over life and death. And by this we know he can not only forgive our sins today, but has the power of our life and death, being able to fulfill his promise of eternal life. And he asks us, in return for that sacrifice, to love him with our whole being, confess who he is and what he has done for us, and live our lives for his purpose on the earth, and for all of eternity. That's the gospel. And it is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. It's not enough to just have spiritual conversations. They've got to be gospel conversations. Two more. 
So if you get the chance to present that, the gospel, focused, complete, then we can explain to people what kind of decision they could make. Because the gospel does call for a decision, right? It's not enough to know it. You've got to respond to it for it to mean anything. And so we explain. Uh, we make it clear to this person that we love, that we care about, that we see as God's creation, that we're asking this person to give him or herself to God, to acknowledge their sin, to ask for forgiveness, to put their trust in the resurrected Christ and his power over life and death. Romans 10.9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We can't be afraid to ask people to come to, to decision because without decision they can't come to know Christ. But we can't start with the decision. We need to start with the conversation. And run towards the decision. And then finally we do. Sometimes we'll get to that decision. God willing. And so. Uh, another way that we've kind of messed this up in the church is. Um, we've got this thing called the sinner's prayer. And there's nothing wrong with it. Most of them have all the elements of what I think the scripture would describe as confessing what we believe. The problem is we've created this paradigm where people say the prayer, but they don't really believe what they're saying. It just becomes, a, it becomes a, a set of magic words. Well, if you just pray this prayer, you're saved. It's not praying the prayer that saves you. It's the believing that saves you. And you could believe and never, never utter the prayer and be saved except the Bible says you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, is confessing with your mouth saying the sinner's prayer? Not really. Confessing with your mouth is living your life as if you actually got saved. It's, it's, it's the life confession that really matters. But if you get to that, that opportunity, there's nothing wrong with an authentic prayer of confession. And so um, you might just ask that person, you know, if, if this is what you want to do today, commit your life, then then let me lead you in a prayer. And it could be crafted however. I've done it where I've had people repeat after me, and I've done it where I've just said, you know, here's what you need to do then. Uh, we've talked about it. You need to acknowledge who God is, confess that you've sinned, receive his forgiveness, and acknowledge that the resurrected Jesus is the power of God to save you and that you want to live your life for him and him as your Lord and Savior. And then that person just prays and they do it. You just got to figure out the moment and the person. But here's, here's, a, here's a sample prayer that I don't dislike. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I understand I've sinned and I can't save myself. The Bible says you will knock on the door of my heart asking to come in. I've heard you knocking and I want to open the door to my life. I receive your gift of salvation knowing that I can't work for it or be good enough to deserve it, but that you give it as a gift to me. I'm ready to trust you as my Savior and let you be the Lord of my whole life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth 
I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead and on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and inviting me into your kingdom on earth and forever in heaven. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and save me. Nothing wrong with that or something like it. But it can't be the beginning of the conversation. It has to be the end of the belief that leads to this moment. And so then to close up today, if that happens, we go through all of that and that happens and this person believes and they pray, then what next? Um, I would highly encourage you to, to continue an active gospel relationship with that person. Uh, when you lead someone to Christ, you, you kind of become responsible for helping to disciple them, to lead them, if that's possible. They might be in a location where you can't, or you might, you know, you might meet somebody on an airplane and you can't. Then encourage them to connect to your church or to a good church where they can attend, wherever they are, get involved in a church. And then find ways to encourage their faith. We have unlimited ways to connect with and contact and communicate to people now. There's no excuse uh, to not be able to send a text, make a phone call, social media, instant message. U.S. Postal Service still works. Right, Kim? Still works. There's no excuse. But continue that process because now you've become, you've become a father, a mother in the faith to someone. All right, so uh, I'll encourage you to take that faith uh, page home with you. Look it over. It's very similar uh, to the spread, except it is, it is step by step the ideas of the gospel. Uh, each, each step. You don't have to use that pamphlet. I'm not really a fan of using the pamphlets, but it's a good thing to remind you. So, but you can learn the principles off of there and use those. And there's tons of others out there. We'll put up some links to other resources because one might work better for you than, than other things do. But I want you to be thinking. I want you to ask God to turn your mind in the direction of being someone who is actively both living the gospel and sharing the gospel with the people around you. Because we are indeed called to be his witnesses. We are ambassadors for Christ, telling others about the things that Jesus has done for us. And, uh, and we need to be busy about doing that. Amen? All right, would you stand with me for closing prayer? Thank you guys for hanging in today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. Uh, Lord, um, the gospel isn't complex, but it's, it's, it's intense. It's important. So, Lord, help us to gather and to learn and to, to know the truths that we need to know to share with others the wonderful gift that you've given us through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be diligent to, to know those and to hide them in our hearts so that we know them uh, from the inside out. And then, Lord, give us uh, divine appointments for conversations about you and about the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we love you. Uh, we lift up again those who are ill, uh, those who are traveling, those who are struggling. Lord, we lift them up before you and ask you to be present in their circumstances. The power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.